we're going to uh, continue a series called Seven Letters, and we've made it to, we made it all the way through several churches that in the book of Revelation, there's this, really the book of Revelation is one big letter to the churches that was supposed to be circulated, but within that, there are seven specific moments or letters addressed to specific churches, and we've been looking at each one of those And today we're going to talk about something that's a little bit, um, I don't know, we don't talk about it all the time, but I'm pretty much determined now to make it really hard to be a consumer Christian at Journey Church. And, and so I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of, I think, and I think that's why many of you guys come because you know that, that I'm going to, you know, tackle some things at times that maybe we don't always talk about. But if we're not going to be consumer Christians, then sometimes we're going to have to talk about some things that are a little bit more challenging and a little bit more difficult to handle at times. And in order to do that, we, we are going to be equipped by doing these things. And I believe that what we're going to talk about today in today's society, we need to be equipped with what we're talking about today because it's happening and most of us probably aren't even aware or we're not paying attention. And so what we're going to do is look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. It says, and to the angel, and that's, that word means messenger or to the pastor, many people believe, to the pastor of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, whose eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are burnished bronze, or like burnished bronze. This is Jesus' way of saying, I'm in charge still. <laughs> Is like, if you're wondering who's in control, if you're wondering what's going on, I'm large and in charge, however you want to put that in your, in your mind. But he's, how do you guys know, he's no longer hanging on the cross. He is high and lifted up. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is large and in charge. He is in control. And I think sometimes we have this idea that it's like God and Satan are in this cosmic arm wrestling match And God is going to win, but he just barely wins at times. And there's a temptation for us to think that when we look at culture or society. We think, it's just, you know, I don't know. Maybe God's going to pull it out. I don't know what he's going to do. Have you guys ever arm wrestled before? Come on, let me just see the hands. I love, you know, all all the ladies. You know, just, just, you know, I just... But I, I arm wrestled this guy one time, and, and he was a big old guy, and somehow I'm like arm wrestling him, and I realized I, I might be able to win. And I started to win. I felt like my wrist was going to literally break, you know, and I did win, by the way. But um, <laughs> that's the way we think of, like, God is going to win, but he's probably barely going to win. But Jesus is saying, I'm in control. I, I'm in charge here. And Satan has a pretty powerful PR campaign to make himself look more powerful than what he actually is. Have you guys remember a couple years ago when there was that, I think it was a hurricane or something, and the Weather Channel reporter was standing there, you know, and the, the weather's going, and he's like rocking back and forth like it's so bad, and then these people are just walking in the background. How do you guys remember that, right? There was an actual storm going on, but the weather guy was trying to make it look like it was worse than what it actually was. And, and that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to make it look more, look worse than it actually is. But... There is a way, and there are ways that Satan actually becomes more powerful than God in our life. There are ways that he becomes stronger than God in our life. And we're going to look at what, how, how that all happens. But first, as we've been doing in this series, let's look at some history, background, and a little bit of the letter to the church in Thyatira. Let's watch. 
The ancient city of Thyatira became part of the Roman Republic in 133 BC and was later considered one of the major cities in Asia province. Today, most of ancient Thyatira is located beneath the modern city of Akisar. Thyatira is mentioned in both Acts and Revelation as being the hometown of Lydia and later one of the main churches of Asia Minor. Paul may have visited Thyatira and brought the gospel here during his final journey through Asia province. Archaeology hasn't revealed much about Thyatira from New Testament times. Brief excavations here have uncovered this Roman road and part of a public building. Investigations at the site have also revealed several inscriptions and coins. Apparently, many people here worshipped the Greek gods of Zeus, Artemis, and Apollo. Inscriptions found here also indicate that Thyatira was known for many trade guilds, including leather, bronze, pottery, wool, linen, and dyes. First century Thyatira was primarily a pagan city like so many others in the Roman Empire. But the letter to the church here does contain a specific warning about a false self-proclaimed prophetess that John calls Jezebel. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Revelation 2, 18 through 25. It's likely that Jezebel was an allusion to the evil Phoenician queen of ancient Israel who was associated with harlotry and witchcraft and served as a warning against the pagan practices that this prophetess was trying to teach some of the members of the church here. All right, so that's a little bit of the, the history of that. Now, there could actually be a person named Jezebel in the church of Thyatira. But as mentioned there, many people believe it was a reference back to a spirit behind a person from the Old Testament, and it's a person named Jezebel. Now, a little quick history of that. There was a king named Ahab who was king of the northern part of Israel, and he married a foreigner named Jezebel, which was against the will of God at that time, and he wanted to have this particular vineyard. And he went to the guy, to Naboth, and to ask for his vineyard. He was going to pay for it, but Naboth wouldn't sell it. He's like, this has been in my family you know, for centuries. I can't let go of this. And he goes back, and he complains to his wife, Jezebel. And in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 7, it says this, And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? In other words, aren't you in charge? Can't you do what you want? And arise, eat bread, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in the, the city. And she wrote in the letters, proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite of him. 
And let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in the city, did as Jezebel had said and sent word to them as it is written in the letters that she had sent to them. So she manipulated and controlled to get what she wanted. And it wasn't just that she was a bad person. There was actually a spirit at work in and through her that was manipulating and controlling. And many believe that when it's mentioned Jezebel in the New Testament, it could be an actual person, but it's as much likely that it's referencing the same spirit at work behind that that was operating behind the scenes, a Jezebel spirit, as they say. Now, there are some things that I have learned as a pastor that if I didn't learn how to do them or how to deal with them, I really don't believe the church would be here. Like, especially in the early days, and I've talked to you about it several times, but one of the things that I had to learn as a pastor was how to Sabbath, because I was burning myself out in the early years of the church, and had I not learned how to Sabbath and to trust God with that, I don't know if in that fragile state of the church, if it would have survived uh, as we were going, at the track we were going. The other thing is how to deal with what we're talking about today, with it, which is a spirit or a, more specifically, what people call a Jezebel spirit, or a spirit of control and manipulation that works in and through different circumstances and situations. And I just say it this way. Every year, it seems like at least once a year, I have to kick somebody out of the church. <laughs> and I know that sounds funny. And it's, and it's really not so much that I kick somebody out of the church, because you're like, aren't you a pastor? Aren't you supposed to love people and all this stuff? It's, it's less that I kick somebody out of the church, and it's more that there's a spirit at work in them that's trying to manipulate and control something, and I simply say, I can't let you do that. I have to draw a line spiritually and say, you cannot operate that way here. And they have a choice to make, whether they continue or not. And I have, to, I have to be submitted to God to do that too. It's not about my way or their way. It's simply I have to be discerning, and we do as a leadership team, to discern what's happening. And every year, many times more than what. But if I had not learned this, that things would have gone a totally different way. Some things are that important. So let's talk about that. What I've seen in people's lives is they allow an open door, possibly of rebellion in their heart or whatever it is, that is just an open door that eventually the enemy comes in and starts to get a foothold and begins to work deeper and deeper in their life. And what starts off is just, well, I'm just, you know, an individual or whatever. Just like, I mean, there's nothing, you know, particularly special about that. A lot of people act that way. But, but there's some people who open up a door that eventually something gets a stronger foothold in their life that Satan can then leverage. And many people call that a Jezebel spirit. And I've seen it firsthand. I, I've recognized that it's not the people, but there's a spirit behind it. And it can be operating in a man or a woman. It's not a gender-specific thing. It's a spirit behind it. It can be subtle, or it can be in your face. But it's most many times it's the result of people not dealing with the root of something that's grabbed hold in their life that then begins to manifest and this can happen in families, this can happen in marriages, this can happen in churches, this can happen all over the place. And that's specifically what we're talking about here, Revelation chapter 2, verse 21. Jesus says, I gave her time to repent. Don't you love the mercy of God that he always gives us time to repent? But she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent 
of her works. Now, obviously, there are several things going on in this passage we don't have time to unpack. We have to just deal with one thing at a time. It says, and I will strike her children dead, and the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call, listen to this, the deep things of Satan. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? The deep things of Satan. To you, I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast what you have until I come. The deep things of Satan. I don't know if you realize this today, but when we talk about Satan and we talk about spirits and demonic spirits, these are not things that just existed in the Bible times. They're not just things that exist in other cultures. They're things that exist right here, right now, where we live, everywhere that we go. And, I mean, to the extreme levels, I, as a pastor, I've dealt, and this may surprise some people, but I've dealt directly with witches, evil spirits, people who've been involved in the occult. I've dealt with them directly head-on, even just in this church. And I can tell you story after story after story. I'm not going to do that right now, but I can tell you story after story of some of the more extreme things, casting out demons, all sorts of things, right? And some of you guys are first-timers here. You're like, what did I do showing up here? I don't... <laughs> it gets better, okay? It gets better. As, as well as I've seen just even the more subtle things that happen in people's lives as well. And for some of us, when I talk about evil spirits and I talk about demonic spirits and I talk about those things, there's some of us that struggle with that because we think, are demons still a thing today? Is that just, isn't that just mythology or something? Or I've heard about that, but do they actually, could a, could a demonic spirit be operating in the world that I live in? Could it be operating possibly even in my family or in my marriage or in my relationships or friendships or my thought life? And I would just say, you better believe it. Even as believers, you better, you better believe it. And for some of us who struggle with that, and we're like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, if I can buy that. Why? I just want to ask, why is that that we struggle with that? And to help us kind of understand it a little bit, let me just give you a little illustration why there's some of us that struggle with that and, and why we wrestle with that. Let's take a look. The Bible is a supernatural book talking about the supernatural God working supernaturally through his people. Now, we know this when we read the Bible, and we know this when we, when we study the Bible and we hear about things in the Bible. But when it comes to our actual life, why is it that we struggle with the idea of like supernatural things? Here's a way to look at it. Just imagine like the things of the supernatural in two different rooms inside of a building. And on one side, I don't know if you can even see this or not with these things I printed off here. But on the one side, this is what most Christians believe. And it's things like God is eternal, that God created everything, the virgin birth, the resurrection, heaven. These are things that are supernatural things. And these are foundations. Every Christian is going to believe that God's eternal, that God created everything by the words that he spoke. That's what it, those are the foundation things. But then on the other side, in this door, in this room, we have things like spiritual gifts, angels appearing, demons manifesting, divine healing, prophecy, visitations from Jesus. Like, these things over here are supernatural, 
These things over here are more for like, if we hear about them, sometimes we have this skepticism. Sometimes we have this like, that's kind of a little crazy. That was in here, but it's not supposed to be out here. Why is that? It's because we live in a culture that is automatically skeptical. Uh, we, you know, at times that before us, the, people were very open to the things of the spirit. But why is that for us? I mean, I just want you to think about both of these doors exist inside of this building. Both of these things that we talked about, this category and this category, are all right in here equally. They're all uh, right inside of the Bible. They're all a part of the Christian life. And they for sure were a part of the disciples' experience in the early church. So why do we struggle with it? Why do we struggle with one side, and, uh, with one side over here and not this over here? We fully accept this. It is because I believe we've lived in this naturalistic worldview where we say if we can't measure it, if we can't uh, you know, repeat it, if we can't test it, that somehow it's not real. And that's seeped into our Christian life and caused us to even divide certain things that we accept and certain things that we don't accept. And so just imagine for a moment you were a part of the early church. I mean, the, it was completely normal for them to go out to heal the sick, cast out demons, demonic spirits, to do this. This was like completely normal. If we were to show up and not be a part of those things, we would be odd to the early church. We would be on the outside. We would be the ones that were part of the minority because this is what Jesus called them to do. This was completely normal. And so why is it that we struggle? I think we just struggle because of a naturalistic worldview. Now, if you think about a story in the Old Testament, a guy named Elisha. Now, Elisha was a guy who was doing all these miracles and all this type of stuff, but there's a particular story that I love about Elisha. And he was actually surrounded by these armies at one point, and they were out to get him. And the servant, Elisha's servant, walks out and he sees all of these armies out there. And Elisha says, there are more with us on our side than there are that you can see. And he prayed for his servant's eyes to be open. And all of a sudden, the servant's eyes was open to the things in the spirit, not just the natural. And when his eyes were open to the things in the spirit, not just the natural, all of a sudden he could see the armies of God all over the place. And his eyes were completely open. And so I want you to think about just for a moment, what if our spiritual eyes could be opened even to what's happening in this very room right now? If we could do a spiritual MRI, so to speak, on this room, what would we see? Well, I believe we would see, and I know we would see, what we would see is angels in this very room where we're at right now. The Bible talks over 300 times about angels, and it was, you know, that, that there are angels in our midst. And I, I'm telling you right now, there are angels in this room. There are also demons in this room who've maybe got a stronghold in somebody's life, maybe trying to disrupt something in your life that are just trying to hide out and hope that they don't get noticed. If we did a spiritual MRI, we would see that. If we did a spiritual MRI, we would see that we are spirits and that we are strong in the spirit as well. We would see the presence of God. So if the Bible's real, if the Bible's true, and there is a real enemy, wouldn't it be a great tactic if you were Satan to try to convince people that you didn't exist, to try to convince people that demonic activity wasn't real? And if you could do that, you could go undetected in people's lives. You could go unhindered in people's lives. Imagine how much progress you could make in somebody's life if you were unresisted, unhindered. That's the strategy of the enemy. 
And Jesus tells the church in Revelation to stop tolerating it. And he's telling us the same thing today, to stop tolerating it. That's the message that Jesus has to the church. And that's the same message he still has for us today. So can you see the two different extremes that Satan tries? He tries to make himself either look more powerful than what he actually is or tries to make people believe that he doesn't exist at all. And either way, he's trying to make, he's trying to make ground in our life. Okay? So uh, I want you to think about that. There are angels in this room right now. But there are also demons in this room that are probably a little uncomfortable right now. And I don't think they really have a sense of, the, uh, of, I don't think they can see the future, but I think they can sense what's getting ready to happen here in just a little bit. So they're probably a little nervous right now. But demons, let me talk about demons. Demons are fallen, disembodied spirit beings in rebellion against God and his rightful rule. And it's not always dramatic stuff. Like, you know, we talked about those extreme things. There are things, there are ways that demonic activity happens in our culture and in our environments that are way more subtle. My friend, uh, Pastor Lee Cummings, says it this way. He says, demons camouflage themselves in the American way to look like American problems. So they, they, they want to not be discovered so they can continue their activity, right? Now, some of us might be struggling right now with this because we're saying, as a believer in Jesus, can I be possessed by a demonic spirit? I, I can just hence, you know, hear that question. As a believer, can I be possessed? And the answer is no. You cannot be possessed by a demonic spirit as a believer. But you can be oppressed and influenced. Let me just give you one thought to think about. In, in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus says to Peter, he says, or he says to the disciples, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He confesses that Jesus is Lord right there. And Jesus answered him, he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's saying, you didn't get this by natural means, but that was a revelation that you have, that, that you confess that I am Lord. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He goes on to say, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. You're going to bind and loose. And then he tells them about how he's going to go to the cross ultimately. And then a couple verses later, the very next thing, after this amazing thing that happens with Peter, Peter takes him aside in verse 22 and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Within the same conversation, Peter confesses that Jesus is Lord, has this moment where Jesus says, I'm going to build the church on this revelation. And within mere moments, Jesus has to cast out the enemy out of Peter's thinking. Why? Because the enemy quickly got a foothold that quick. Now, somebody say, well, that's, that's pre-cross. Okay, you can do with that what you want, but here's what I want you to understand. You know that the Bible says and indicates that we are a three-part being, right? We have a body that we all see. This is one day is going to be a glorified body, so don't despair if, uh, you know, you got issues right now. But then there's also a spirit. Our spirit has come alive when we get, we get saved. That's the part that there is no, that a demon cannot take possession of that or oppress that. That is the part that's come alive. But how many of you guys know that we also have a soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, our thought life. How many of you guys will just admit for a moment that you struggle sometimes with what's happening in, the, in that world, right? And that, that's why the Bible says we have to renew that area. 
That's why the Bible says that there are times when, when we, we have things that we have to deal with within that particular area of our life. We're being saved, as it were. We're progressively working those things out. And we have to, do, watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I want you to understand, Peter is talking to Christians here. He's not talking to unbelievers when he's talking about strongholds in their life. He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's saying that to destroy strongholds. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. If we couldn't be influenced by the enemy, if we couldn't be oppressed or tormented or even have strongholds from the enemy... Why would Paul be telling us here that we have to take those things captive? Why would he be telling us that we need to cast those things down or cast those things out? It's because, and I've said it before, you are not the architect of every thought that comes into your mind. Satan loves to put thoughts in our mind. In fact, that's what he does. That's his whole thing. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. Why would he even have anything to do if it wasn't affecting us in some way? So the fact is, absolutely, if you are a believer, there's, there's a, a possibility that there's something that you need to deal with in the area of what Satan is trying to do in your life, what demonic spirits are trying to find a stronghold or a foothold, so much so that Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Why would he need to say that if it wasn't possible for opportunities to the de for the devil to get a foothold in our life? It's because it's possible, okay? And it's possible for believers. And I know some people struggle with this and your theology and all that type of stuff. You know, I'll just say, read your Bible. You know, don't take my word for it, just read your Bible. This is like all the way through the Bible, okay? And it's because we have a naturalistic worldview and we want to keep like the Thomas Jefferson Bible and cut out everything supernatural out of our Bible just to keep us in a place that feels good for us. But let me, let me tell you, this is why many people struggle. If you're struggling right now with a problem, a situation, over and over again, and it seems like you can't break free, no matter how much you white-knuckle it, no matter how much these things, it's possible you have a stronghold in your life. It's possible the enemy has got a foothold. It's possible that you need to evict something out of the real estate of your soul. It's possible that something has taken up real estate in your mind. That's what the enemy tries to do. And if we just allow him to go unhindered and unchecked, guess what he's going to do? He's going to make a home there. He's going, to, he's going to invite friends. <laughs> he's going to cause havoc and try to be undetected and to keep operating in your life. And Jesus tells this church, he says, stop tolerating it. Stop allowing it. And he's saying the same thing to us. And as believers, if we don't learn how to do this as believers, then no wonder many churches are impotent and can't seem to make any ground or take any ground. No wonder we can't seem to take ground in our life, in our marriages, and in our families because we're just allowing the enemy to have territory in our heart. So if you want to build a culture, let's say in a business, okay? Business people, let me just talk to you guys for a second. If you want to build a culture in your business, what are you going to do? It's a combination of what you create. It's like that, that atmosphere that you create the type of incentives you create, the type of, you know, uh, 
whatever you, you, know, you add to that culture to try to make a good, healthy culture. But it's also a combination of what you create and also what you allow. Because you could create the best environment, but if you allow a whole bunch of other stuff to come in there, it will dilute that environment very, very quickly, and you'll have a bad culture no matter what you create because of what you've allowed. The same is true in our families, in our marriages, in our heart. It's a combination of what we create and what we allow. We can create time with God. We can create all these good atmospheres in our heart. But if we're allowing the enemy an inroad, if we're allowing a gate that's open constantly, what's going to happen? The culture of our heart is going to be infected and infected by that. And so what are you allowing in your life? What kind of gate have we opened? Many people in this room struggle with fear. Many people watching online struggle with anxiety. And I would say, if you struggle with fear and anxiety, don't watch fear. Don't check out the news all the time and see what's happening here and what's happening there and how bad it's going to be there and the, the you know, shipping shortage here and you know, all this and how bad this is going. If you struggle with fear, shut the gate. Don't keep inviting it in. Don't keep entertaining it. Because I guarantee you, a spirit of fear will set up shop in your heart. A spirit of fear will put a stronghold in your heart that pretty soon it seems like it's you thinking about it all the time. Because it's got so familiar in your heart that what once was a foreign entity now feels familiar enough to feel like, well, that's just who I am. I'm just a fearful person. I'm just naturally anxious. I'm just a, have you ever heard somebody say this? I'm just a worrier. I don't see that as part of the Christian life. I don't see worrying as a spiritual gift. I don't see worrying as a fruit of the Spirit. And so if that's just, we've, and it's not just the spirit of fear, it can be, but what I'm trying to tell you is these things, when we open up doors to these things, what the enemy does is a spirit will come in and try to get a foothold in our life. And many of us are dealing with those things, and we've been dealing with it so long, it just feels like who we are, and it feels like that's who I'm always going to be. And what I'm telling you is that is not what the Bible teaches. That is not how you have to live your life that you can evict the enemy out of your life. He does not have to have territory in your heart. And so how do we deal with these things? So how, how, how can Satan have more power, power in our life than God? It's only when we allow him to. How do we deal with these things? Number one, if you've been dealing with this, and right now you have a revelation in your heart, maybe I've been dealing with this, repent for tolerating it. We need to repent. And say, God, I, I repent for allowing this in my life. I repent for tolerating this in my life. You see, in the Old Testament, when Jezebel did her thing, Ahab sat back and he allowed her to use his name and to use his seal. So wherever there's a spirit in operation, there's always an Ahab that allows it. Now, th this can happen in your heart. This can happen in your family. Some of you guys right now, you're noticing problems in your family, problems with your kids. And some of it, you're just like, you're tempted to say, well, that's just how teenagers are. Could it be that we've, are just, we've just allowed the enemy a foothold in our family? 
and we've become an Ahab as a parent? Come on now, I'm preaching good now, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> Could it be in our marriage? Could it be in our business? Could it be in the church at times? Yeah, absolutely. So we repent for tolerating. The next thing we do is we resist the enemy. The Bible says resist him and he has to flee. Submit to God, resist the enemy, and he has to flee. Now, I showed a, a clip from Pastor Robert Morris last week. I didn't want to show him back to back, but honestly, where I learned the most about this particular topic was from Pastor Robert Morris. And so I think it's only appropriate that I have him share a little bit so you can connect with it. But he's going to share a story about how this happened in his life in a particular way. So let's take a look. So let me just give you a story here. Um, I've, I've dealt strongly with the Jezebel spirit twice now, very strongly, through friends. They were friends. And um, the first time I did, I, I remember just going to the shore of a lake and, and praying when I realized I'm dealing with a spirit because I have talked and talked and talked till I'm blue in the face with this person. This is a spirit. And Pastor Jack told me this is a spirit, Pastor Jack Hayford. And so I, I, I went to the shore of a lake and I was praying and, you know, and then all of a sudden I just felt like the Lord said, you need to pray over this until it's done. And so I started praying, Lord, I just pray you'll help me. Da -da. And I just happened to glance. I had the uh, truck running, whatever I was driving then. I think it was a truck. And, um, but I had it running and because it was cold. And so I had the heater going, you know, parked on the shore lake. I just happened to glance at the clock. And let's say it was 11 o'clock. You know, I don't remember the exact time. But I started praying. Well, all of a sudden, I began to repent. This is the first thing to do, by the way, is to repent for allowing this person, this spirit to operate. And I began to repent and say, God, I'm so sorry. They're your sheep. They're not mine. They're yours. And I repent. And then I began to take authority over this spirit. And then I began to break curses spoken over me and over my family and over our church because of this spirit that the spirit was saying through this person. And then I began to tell that spirit to go. Now, while I was doing this, I happened to look out the window and I don't know if there were some fish on the shore or what, but there were buzzards circling. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying not, I'm not trying, I'm not one of those, you know, spooky guys, but sometimes just things happen and you just think that's pretty amazing. And I'm telling these, this spirit, you're going, you're leaving. You're leaving Gateway Church. You're not allowed here anymore. I'm the angel over Gateway Church. I'm the senior pastor. And I'm telling you in Jesus' name, you get out of here. These buzzards that have been circling for about 15 minutes turned and took off like that. <laughs> I mean, they just took off. And I started saying to him, yeah, you keep going. You know, you, you just keep on going. But then I started shouting, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I don't know how long that lasted, but I knew it was done in the spirit. I still had to meet with the person and release that person from authority in our church 
and off our staff. But it was done in the spirit. And I remember looking at the clock and it was exactly one hour. It'd been one hour of prayer. The greatest joy I've ever had is when I've gone through something like this and I've dealt with it. You can't imagine, even though I've had, I've had this person, when I dealt with this person, he just got up and stormed out of the restaurant. But when I went out and got in my car, I shouted hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Hallelujah. The last time I had to deal with a person, he chewed me out. We had a 55-minute phone conversation. He talked 50 minutes. He chewed me out. He said everything in the book to me. And, when, and then here's what he said. Well, I guess I just need to leave the church. And what they're doing is they're, they're, they're just, they're, uh, you know, um, threatening you. And let me just say what you do when someone threatens you. Call their bluff. And I said, I guess you do. Like that. And so he said, well, I guess it's done then. And I said, yeah, it's done. And we hung up. When we hung up, I, I started shouting, hallelujah, 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 because the Spirit's gone. Now, let me tell you something. I still love the person. And I pray for the person. But I will not, as long as I stand in this place, I will not allow a spirit to come amongst the sheep. I will not allow it. So he's talking specifically about a specific situation. We're trying to broaden that back out and say there could be different types of things going on. It's not just one thing. It's not just one way. But I want you to know the good news here. Revelation chapter 2, verse 26 the letter continues, says, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. So he's saying, you keep going, I'm gonna give you authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And as with, when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So he's saying, we will reign with him, but do you realize that you, if you are in Christ, you already have authority over Satan? You already have authority right now. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, and he called to him his 12 disciples. He wasn't just talking to the 12, he's talking to everyone who would become a disciple afterwards. And he says, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. So here's the good news that you have to understand. If you are in Christ, you have authority over the enemy. That Satan has power only to the degree that we resist him or don't resist him. Why? Because he has already been defeated. What do you think Jesus was doing for the three days that he was in the grave? The Bible indicates that he was going down, taking care of business, taking away the keys that we lost in Adam's name. And how many of you guys know what we lost in Adam's name, we get back in Jesus' name? That he gives us the authority. He took the authority, took the keys, and he gives it to us. And so uh, Chris, Chris Athey preached, uh, uh, I don't know, it was a couple years ago now, but he asked this question. He said, how big is God? And he answered it by saying, as big as we allow him to be. 
So let me ask you a question. How big is Satan? He's as big as we allow him to be. And some of us have allowed him and tolerated him to have quite a bit of territory in our heart. But I want you to know, it all comes back down to understanding who you are in Jesus. And if you understand who you are in Jesus, you understand that he, I'm not saying that demons and evil spirits don't have any power. I know that they disrupt. I know that they cause issues. What I'm saying is that as soon as you recognize that an evil spirit is at work, we now have all the power. They have no power once we understand that we have all the power. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. As the worship team comes back up, we're going we're to pray here in just a little bit. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you, this is Jesus saying, he says, whatever you. He doesn't say, whatever I'm going to bind for you. He says, whatever you bind uh, on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But how many of you guys know, just because Jesus has given me authority, it doesn't mean I'm using the authority he's given me. What I'm saying is every single believer in this place, watching online, whoever watches this, I want you to understand you have been given authority over the enemy. It's not even a contest. It's not a cosmic arm wrestling match to see, oh, God's side might win, but just barely. No, the only reason there's a match at all is because the believer's eyes have been deceived into believing they don't have the power of God operating and available in their life. That's the only reason. And so today, what I want you to understand is you could be one faith act, one authority act away from experiencing victory in your life. Because some of you have been experiencing, it could be a person in your life that you've been tolerating the spirit behind it. It could be something happening in your own heart. It could be something happening in your family. You could be one faith act away from total freedom today. So I don't, and I want you to understand, you know, I know it's been a little heavy today. You know, you're like, oh, demonic spirits and deep things of Satan and all this stuff. I really don't get worked up about demons at all. I'm not intimidated. I'm not scared. I, you know, deal with witches. or the, That doesn't intimidate me one bit. I don't, I don't worry about it. I don't stress about it. I don't have a problem with it. I don't get intimidated by it at all. You know Why? Because either we have the authority or we don't. And we do. And if I really believe what Jesus says, I have no, I have no reason to be intimidated. I have no reason to worry. I have no reason to give ground. That's why I walk confidently, because I know who I am in Jesus. I don't worry about I, I don't even I don't even worry about it. We have to use our authority though. And I want you to understand, every single believer in here can do this. It's not just for pastors or missionaries or people who are on staff at a church that somehow have this special authority. Every single one of us have the same authority given by Jesus. I had a pastor not too long ago call me up and said, hey, I had somebody in my church that you know, definitely has demonic activity, and I think you probably should handle it because they were implying they didn't really know what to do about it. I'm like, if you're a pastor and you know how to cast out a demon, maybe it's time to think of something else. But what I'm saying is, the sad thing is, every one of us as believers should understand this too. Every single one of us as believers at Journey Church, I want you to understand you have authority over evil spirits. You have authority over the enemy. What would happen if every one of us 
understood that and started to walk in that? Don't you think that would change the atmosphere around every place that somebody walks, every, every situation? We have the authority. So what do we do? We, we repent, we resist the enemy, and then we reclaim territory in our heart. Because for some of us right now, the Holy Spirit has revealed areas of our heart that we've given up ground. We've become that warrior. It's become a stronghold in our life. We've become, you know, distracted. We've become, a, you know, we've got, offend- we've got all these strongholds of the enemy in our heart. And I just want you to know, today you can be free. You can be free today. You can reclaim territory because the blood of Jesus covers that area of your life. What I'm saying is a spirit of fear can be evicted from your life today. You know, in the Bible, Jesus Jesus healed a lot of people, but sometimes instead of healing the person who was sick, he understood that it was a spirit behind it that was causing a physical problem. And he cast out the spirit, and when the spirit left, they were made whole. I just want to suggest that some people, you've been dealing with physical problems? What if it's simply a spirit operation in your life? That's not me saying, go read your Bible. Go read your Bible. That's in the Bible. That's what happened multiple times in Scripture. I know some of you right now are really uncomfortable. (laughs) You're just like, man, Sean, couldn't we just stick with like 10 steps to a better life and five ways to improve your family? And, you know, can't we just be one of those churches, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and we'll talk about all those things, but listen, I think you come to this church because you expect that I'm gonna tell you the truth of the word of God. And, and that's why, that's the only reason, I, I say that to not get a, a applause or something like that. I say that because that's the reason we started Journey. Because we just, I just want to, and not, that's not to say anything bad about anything else at all. I, I'm just telling you, I'm trying to give an explanation as to why I'm preaching on something that maybe makes you uncomfortable. And maybe you haven't heard very much about. It's because there's a temptation in a lot of people to allow the enemy to just to go and hinder. I don't want to touch that. I don't, I'm scared to rile that up. I'm not scared one bit. I'm not scared one bit. We had, we had people getting free last night. And so here, here's what's going to happen. We're going to sing part of a song, and I'm going to interrupt the song. And uh, we're just going to have that time just to allow the Holy Spirit to give you a moment. Is there an area of your life that you, it's maybe now revealed that you've been struggling, that maybe it's not, maybe there's something at work that needs to be evicted out of your life? But can I just tell you, I've had stuff evicted out of my life. I'm the pastor of the church, so I wouldn't be surprised if everybody had something they needed to, to move on out of their life. There's no, there's, no, there's no condemnation for that. There's only freedom ahead for everyone. That's all there is, is freedom ahead. And we're, we're going to pray for people. And don't worry, it's not going to get all weird or anything like that. Because, you know, Satan, he likes to try to, you know, create a show. And we just don't allow that to happen. You know, they tried that with Jesus. Jesus was like, I'm not having any of that. And he just took care of business. That's not how we roll. We're just going to take our authority. Jack Hayford said this. You know, because some of us like, well, well, don't I just need to renew, new, new, renew my mind? Yeah, that's part of it. But he said this, he says, you cannot cast out the flesh and you cannot disciple a demon. Doesn't matter how many studies you want to keep going and book studies and you can't disciple that demon. You just got to evict it. You just have to evict it. 
And so we're just going to pray for people to be free, and it's going to be an awesome thing. So would you guys stand up with me, and we're just going to sing a little bit of the song about the power of Jesus, and then we're going to have our prayer teams come up, and I'm expecting anybody who needs prayer, we're just going to invite you to come, and uh, we're just going to pray. It's very simple. Every believer can do this. We just simply use our authority, and we say, in the name of Jesus, you have to leave. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated at all. That's what, that's what the Bible says, okay? So, God, we thank you so much that there is freedom in Jesus. You set us free for freedom. You set us free not that we would go back into bondage and allow the enemy to have territory in your life. You set us free so that we would walk in freedom. And so today, we proclaim your freedom right now in our heart. Today, we ask that you would reveal, pull back the curtain. If you could do a spiritual MRI on my life right now, everybody might just, just pray something to this effect. If, if God, if you could just pull back the curtain for just a little bit, could you show me and reveal what's been going on behind the scenes that maybe I, I haven't understood or I've, I've thought that was just a part of me or I just thought that's the way I'm always gonna be. Holy Spirit, would you reveal that right now because I wanna reclaim territory in my heart. And so Lord, we trust that you're gonna do that as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.